Awesome. Wow. Thank you so much, Kubi, for being here today. Welcome to the playroom. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. Thank you. You're welcome. There's so much I want to talk to you about because I first of all met you on Clubhouse. And mm. I don't think you got to see me because I was not on stage and I remember that day. I think you you got into the club, you got into the room and you were speaking, but I don't think you of course when you're in the, when you're in the audience you don't really see much, but because of your voice and because of the presence that you took on that stage, just made me want to reach out to you and I'm so glad you were able to respond. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Is that your way of saying I had a big mouth on club? <laughs> <laughs> your kind way of saying it. I get it. Loki. I'm <laughs> just playing, just playing. But it's so good to have you here. There's so much I want people to know more about you on, you know, who you are. The list can go on and on, but I want you to actually have that privilege and the honor to introduce yourself to the audience for us today. Of course. So my name is Kubi Spooner. I am Black British. Uh, my parents are originally from the Caribbean, from Barbados and Jamaica. Um, but I was born in London, UK, as you can tell from the accent. Um, I am a brand consultant and I've been doing branding um, for 26 years now. I started in 1996 and uh, I've been speaking on branding and personal branding for about 10 to 12 years. Um, my career started because uh, I loved all things entertainment. So I started working at MTV Europe as an intern whilst I did my undergrad. And then when I finished my undergrad, I went and lived in New York City. Um, and I worked for Blue Flame, which is Puff Daddy, P Diddy, Sean Diddy Combs. Uh, depending on how old you are, you know him by different names, right? right. So I worked for Diddy's uh, marketing agency called Blue Flame. And I worked there for three years. And then I got um, my first freelance opportunity with Justin Timberlake around a Justified tour. And uh, I'd say for the first 10 years of my career, it was all about entertainment and uh, um, and fashion. So I worked with Nike, um, I worked with uh, Beyonce and L'Oreal, I worked with Mariah Carey, um, I worked with, talking of uh, uh, soccer versus football, yeah. I worked with a celebrity footballer called Rio Ferdinand when he was punking David Beckham in his TV program. And that was the first 10 years of my career. And then the last... Uh, kind of decade has diversified much more to fashion, luxury, and lifestyle. So I've worked with clients like Aston Martin, Rolls Royce, and current clients include Facebook uh, and TikTok. And people often say, how do you work with Facebook and TikTok? Like, what do you do with them? Um, I basically support their teams on personal branding and leadership and going within a training capacity. So yeah, that's me. That's amazing. I love the fact that you've positioned yourself as a personal brand, but you're not drowned by all these big names out there. What are some of the things that you can say as core qualities that make you stand out, even though you work with all these people? I think uh, for me personally, I think what's made me stand out, and then I'll talk about what your listeners should do. Um, I think what's made me stand out is consistency. You know, there were very few black females in this space, yeah. particularly in UK, in Europe, um, who can, in fact, I would say period in this space, including the USA, who can say that they have a portfolio as robust as mine for as long as mine and as global as mine. Yeah. Um, so, you know, whilst I've spoken about the international brands that everybody knows, equally on my portfolio, I have worked in uh, Ghana, I have worked in 
uh, Singapore, in Hong Kong, in Japan, the UK, Europe, uh, Jamaica, Mauritius, Malaysia, um, supporting international brands to globalize their brands and to support their teams to be effective personal brands on behalf of the organization. So I think what's worked for me is a degree of consistency and consistency at a very high level. I think what uh, your listeners need to do now in today's era of building brands is remember that branding is a process, right? You don't, I often say to people, you don't wake up and then just pull out success. That's not how this thing works, okay? We don't, right. you know, we don't go and do a morning dump and then we're successful. Um, but Instagram would make you believe that. Instagram would make you believe that it can happen overnight and it happened to everybody overnight and it's just a load of nonsense. And so what I would say to people is use the tools at your disposal, including social media and digital, but be patient with the process. Yeah. Because for a brand to really penetrate the psyche of your customer base, it takes 10 years. And this is scientifically proven. Um, us marketeers, we talk about brands having what we call brand impression. To have an effective brand impression like a Coca-Cola or a Nike or a L'Oreal, that takes a minimum of 10 years. And so be consistent, right? And be a student of the game. I love that. Being a student of the game is what people don't want to do today. Just like you said, they don't want to take that 10 years. They want to take those 10 minutes of instant gratification and think they've made it when in actuality, they only survived for 24 hours because that post went viral once. So like you mentioned, Facebook and TikTok, people use these platforms every day. But what makes them stand out, especially being a brand owner of yourself, which is everybody in actuality, but how do you put yourself out there so that right people actually see you for who you are? That's a good question. I mean, I think the first thing you need to do as a personal brand is you need to own your corner, right? I often say to people, you'll hear me say on Clubhouse, you'll hear me say on you know social media platforms, like stay in your lane and dance in your lane. And a lot of the problem that I find with people building personal brands is that they are everything but nothing. Right, so like in one season you see that they were a fitness instructor, and then the next season they're a chef, and then the, another season they're a motivational speaker, and then another season, like child, can you be a thing? Right, and, and actually when you look at the best personal brands in the world, you can say their name, and then you can say something very specific next to their name. So you would say Beyonce, entertainer. Right, you'd say Steve Jobs, innovator. Richard Branson, brand builder. Uh, Oprah Winfrey, presenter, Kumi Springer, branding expert. Like there's something specific next to each of their names. And if you want to stand out, you've got to own your lane and you've got to dance in your lane. And you've got to dominate your lane. And part of the way that you dominate your lane is that you seek to be the best at whatever it is you say you do. You know, Hussein Bolt, as an example, we know him for one thing. He's a runner. Now, has he built a multi-million dollar empire off of running? Yes. Has he diversified his income off of running? Yes. But the foundation is that he's a runner. The problem that a lot of people have is they're trying to take this idea of multiple streams of income and have multiple businesses and multiple brands, and then they're just confused.com. Nobody really knows what you do because you don't know what you do, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to stand out, own your lane and dance in your lane and be the master of your lane. I've been doing brand building for 24, nearly 25 years. That's what I do. So when you say my name, you say she builds brands. Exactly. And I think those years that you've invested is what you're ripping off today as a benefit. 
because you took that time when there was no TikTok, there was right. no webinar. You know, it was all in it person. Was <laughs> it was yellow pages. <laughs> yellow pages. I am officially grown. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, to your point, and, and I often say to people, even though I have been doing it for as long as I have, I'm still a student of the game. Yeah. You know, I still take half a day every single week just studying my craft, just working out, because technology moves so quickly, your industry changes. I mean, we've all seen this with the global pandemic, right? If this time has not shown us anything, it's shown, it's shown us how quickly the world can change. Yeah. And so you can't afford to not continually study your craft in order to continually have fresh fresh information to be able to impart in the people who follow you and buy from you. Otherwise, you become obsolete very quickly. Exactly. You know, it's like any NFL or, you know, NBA basketball player. Like, yeah. you see Kobe when he was at the top of his game. Yeah, okay, I'm here now. I'm going to chill. No, he was still practicing. He was still mastering the craft because there's levels to this thing. Exactly. And speaking of obsolete as well, we think about brands right now and we think about how brands communicate with platforms, social media, websites, influencers. Now, like you said, and I love how you said stay in your corner. When you stay in your corner, you can see everything in the room. So if you think about, right? <laughs> so I'm going to steal that, baby. When you stay in your corner, you can see everything in the room. We'll talk, which means you can see what's coming around the corner before it comes around the corner. Right? Exactly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And now when you think about that corner in perspective to social media, especially now that we have so many apps and features coming out every day, where do you think people should focus their energy on? TikTok virals, dancing, Facebook, Pinterest, um, Twitter. We're all over the internet now, but some people don't want to have everything because it's already overwhelming already. So yeah. what's that corner they could start with? Yeah, so there's two things I will say. Remember that you're a vessel from God to serve. So you need to ask yourself, what problem am I solving and who am I solving it to? I'm going to say it again. What problem am I solving and who am I solving it to? And once you know who you're solving the problem for very specifically, then you go where they are. So if they are on TikTok, get on TikTok, right? If they're in Clubhouse, get on Clubhouse. If they're in LinkedIn, be on LinkedIn. If they're on Twitter, be on Twitter. Like you go where your ideal customer is because then that's where you add more value. And I think the other part to this as well is that building brands is not just what you say, but what you can prove. Like everybody's out here like, I'm a multi-millionaire. Where's your receipts, child? Right. Like prove, where is the evidence that you are who you claim you are? And that's what's going to differentiate you from the noise. Because there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of people claiming to be a lot of things. But when you Google them, there's no authority attached to their name. Mm. Right? When you go on their website, there's no evidence that they are who they say they are. So I always say to people, as you're building your brand, claim those receipts. So that you can show proof that you are who you say you are, because that builds trust. I think so, too, because when you think about Clubhouse, for example, people do speak a lot. And you think that this person speaking is a multimillionaire, but the guy is just literally reading off Google Wikipedia pages. So, yeah, you, you can't tell. Silly. The thing is, it's so silly because you can get found out so quickly. Right? If you're a multi-millionaire, I should be able to Google your name and Google gives you a place of authority. Correct. But if you have done nothing, then Google will show you've done nothing. So stop talking. Go do something. <laughs> so we're like, yeah. this, the, the formula is not hard, right? And, and do I believe?
believe in manifestation and putting out who you are before you are, have achieved it. No, I don't. I believe in manifesting in your own mind, but I believe in speaking your truth to the world. Mm. So on your vision board at home in your private quarters, you might have what you want to be, but what you speak to the truth needs to be the truth of who you are. Because if the minute you get found out that you're being fraudulent with your language, nobody will buy from you. And it's so easy. We've seen it on Clubhouse. People get called out. Yeah. Right? They claim they're multimillionaires, they're multi-billionaires. People get called out. And so I just simply say to people, if you want to build a brand that lasts the test of time where you can consistently get paid to do what you love to do, build the evidence as you're building. You know what I mean? And what does that look like? Get client testimonies. Right? Get those behind the scenes video testimonies. Do you know what I mean? Just claim your space through evidence, not just through bragging. I love that. When you think about evidence, one thing that I really know and still stands today is that word of mouth still wins. Mm -hmm. And when you think about word of mouth in a brand and someone telling you about something new, the way you perceive and take that information the first time is entirely based on how that person expresses that brand to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Word of mouth is the most powerful tool because it's how we as human beings have communicated from the beginning of time. Yeah. Right? If you think about our ancestors before they had mobile phones, they were communicating through word of mouth. It was the power of storytelling. And this is another thing that one should adapt when they're building a brand is the power of storytelling. The story that you tell about your brand, but also the story that your customers tell about your brand, the story that your staff tell about your brand, the story that your suppliers tell about your brand. All of those stories need to be concurrent with what you say you are. And the way to do that is to build on those relationships. You know, a lot of people treat human beings as if they're disposable, whether that be staff that they're working with or suppliers. And actually, it's the people who you are connected with who are going to tell your brand story yeah. more than you are. So be careful what stories going on about you. That's true. I really believe in that. And if you think about Nike, for example, and you think about the ads that they run, there's never a time you see somebody holding a shoe in their hand and saying, hey, buy this. You always see that emotional attachment to it where they're actually talking about you, the person, you, the runner, you, the lifestyle, you know, coach, you, the, the person who is interested in your health, your wellness, you know, your overall being. Can you be able to run a mile? Can you be able to eat? Can you take care of your family? So you, don't, you see all those, those points that they're touching, but you do not see one shoe. So based on the clientele that you've worked with and with these luxury brands, I know that simplicity is very important, but there's yes. also complexity, a complexity in it. So are you able to tell us more about those two? Yeah, what you've described is such a powerful thing in branding. So I'm going to describe it like this. Branding is the pull, marketing and sales is the push. I'm going to say it again. Branding is the pull, marketing and sales is the push. So what Nike do so effectively is they are pulling you towards the brand emotively because human beings we buy from our heart first and we justify it with our head right i'm gonna say it again we buy from our heart space and we justify it with our head that's why we go into the store and we're like oh, i gotta have those shoes right that's our heart space we're emotionally tied to the brand and nike get that psychology very very well all the big brands do they spend so much time studying their customer that they are working out, how do I speak to your heart space? How do I get you emotionally invested so that you are leaning into the brand? Yeah. That's why they don't need to push any sales messages. 
It's like if you go on my Instagram, people don't always say to me, Kibi, when I go on your Instagram, there is no selling. There's no buy one, get one free, 20% off for the next masterclass. Like, you don't right. have to do any of that if you do effective branding. And by definition, a brand is an emotional connection with your desired customer. By definition, a brand is an emotional connection with your desired customer. So what does that mean? Number one, you've got to understand the emotions of your customer. You've got to understand how they think and feel and when they think and feel and why they feel that way. What are their pain points? And number two is you've got to have a desired customer. In other words, everybody's not buying your ish. Okay? Exactly. Nor should everybody be trying to, right? You want to speak to your tribe, not everybody. And people often, when I do this in a masterclass, they question it. They're like, well, what about Coca-Cola? Everybody drinks Coca-Cola. I say, yeah, they do. But Coca-Cola invests their branding dollar into 18 to 30-year-olds. That's it. 18 to 30-year-olds is where their spend goes, their advertising spend goes. Everybody else is a byproduct. Mm. I describe it like this. When you're painting a wall, right? You're focusing on one wall that you're painting. You're painting that wall. Now, does it mean that there's going to be splashes from your brush onto other walls? Yes. But your focus is on that wall. That one wall. And it's the same thing with branding. Work out who is your ideal customer. Focus on them. You might have byproducts. Yeah. That's cool. We'll take their money too. But you're focusing on a particular demographic. Exactly. I love that that mention that you created about the analogy you, you just took about, you know, art. Because people see art differently too. I can look at something and I'm feeling emotionally attached to it. Someone else just has no clue about what's going on in that picture. So when you think about the same thing too, don't you think, and I, and I love how you talked about the emotional part of it. There are some people who are ambiverts. There are people who are introverts. There are people who are extroverts. Now, if they can't express that emotive reaction that they want to present as a brand, do they need to hire someone that is not like them or do they have to work on themselves first? So it depends on what we're trying to achieve, right? We've got to remember that branding is a business function. It is the thing that should be driving the profitability of your business, even if you're in the business of one or whether you're in the business of an organization. Branding is a business function. So in order to work out what you do with the brand, you've got to know what you do with the business. So I always start from the premise of what's your exit strategy? Are you trying to build your personal brand like an Oprah, where your name allows you to have a legacy? You know, the own network will last beyond Oprah Winfrey, but it is her name that has built that legacy. So she can sell the own network and, and die happy, right? Are you trying to do that? Are you trying to be a personal brand like, um, like a Mark Zuckerberg, where it's not about your name, it's about the organizational name, Facebook. Facebook is the brand that he's been pushing. It's not really about Mark, right? Which is why the way that his organization is structured, the senior leadership team have an investment in the business. Yeah. You know, Sheryl Sandberg has become a billionaire off of Facebook because it's not about Mark Zuckerberg, it's about Facebook. Correct. So the million dollar question is, what are you trying to do with the business? Once you know what you're trying to do with the business, then your brand acts as a vehicle to achieve that. 
I love that. So if you want to be an Oprah Winfrey or you want to be a Steve Jobs or not even Steve Jobs so much, you want to be an Oprah Winfrey or Richard Branson, where it is your name that sells the organization, then yeah, you need to be upfront and center. But if you want to be like a, a Mark Zuckerberg, where actually it's the organization, then no, you can build a team around you that have different roles to play in being ambassadors for the brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I... here's the caveat. If you're going to build a team around you and you are all ambassadors for the brand, the team needs to be tied into the interest of the business. Yeah. Which is why Mark has very sensibly given senior leaders a, a part ownership in Facebook, right? Which is why uh, Sharon Sandberg hasn't gone anywhere. She did the whole leaning movement, but she's still at Facebook, right? Right. Because he understands if you're going to have somebody else who has been part and part of the face of your organization, they have to have an invested interest for it to last. Not just work, but if it's it's a last. Hope that, helps. that definitely helps it makes a lot of sense because i i talk about this too you know in different podcasts and i i always talk about how as a business and you think about a business from a corporate perspective it takes about three years to really establish your business the first second year could be a really rough but you could break even in your third year and then by the seventh year you could go public but between the time you start and the time you want to have that exit strategy what should you be focusing more on content delivery or inbound um, strategies by adding more people to your funnel? Uh, you're concentrating on profit. Exactly. <laughs> on- <laughs> okay. I think whatever's going to drive the organization to be financially sustainable, that's where your focus is. Right. And depending on the business model, will determine what is needed. Right. There are some business models. So like my consultancy firm has worked even more effectively with a global team and no central office. Mm. It's worked. Right. And the pandemic just took it to a new height to reinforce to me like this really, really works. Like we've got team members in Singapore. We've got team members in Nigeria. We've got team members in Buffalo, New York. And we've got team members in the UK. So it all depends on what is it. And again, I go back to. It sounds simplistic, but when people are building brands, they forget this principle. It's not about the brand. The brand is a vehicle for the business. What are we trying to do for the business? What is going to get us to that profit quickest, most painfully, in the most ethical, sustainable way? That's the question you ask every day. And then the brand supports that. And this is where people get it wrong. They're like, oh, I'm building a brand. For what, friend? What are we building it for? Like, do you want to have a million followers and be broke? That doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. And we see it all the time. Right? People out here like, yeah, I've got followers on a blue tick. But they can't even afford to put gas in the car. Right. Like, that's backwards. That's not even good business. So you've got to start with, what's the business doing? Are we building a business model where the organization is all virtual? The processes are all virtual? Okay, great. Then the brand needs to serve that. Are we building a shop front mama and papa store? Then the brand needs to support that. Are we building a lifestyle business? Then the brand needs to support that. Are we building a legacy business? You know, so we can end up like the Rockefellers and hand it over to our children's children's children. Then the brand needs to support that. You've got to work out what is the business. Mm, I love that. And just to add on to what you said, because now you're talking about I'm building a brand, I'm building a brand. People don't even know what a brand stands for. They don't even know what a brand is. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a very good follow up question. Does a brand need a logo and can a brand do without one? So a corporate brand and a personal brand always need an identity. So I'm going to answer your question by saying this. 
all the things that we think of when we think of branding logos values colors mission statements strap lines all of these things they are assets or tools that we marketeers use to do one central thing and that's that emotional connectivity mm. so does your brand need a logo if you are a personal brand it will need something to give it a visual identity now it could be a typography because oprah for example is a typography style logo right whereas when we think about obama when obama came out he had a presidential logo it was the sun the rising of the sun so the million dollar question when you're thinking about building all these different assets is what is going to give you that emotional connection and if a logo is going to support you to do that then you have a logo if typography is going to support you to do that then you have typography if it's having a distinctive color scheme then you have a distinctive color scheme do, do you see what i mean like yeah. these things are assets to, to make that emotional connection and depending on what is going to do that with the type what you need i love that some people don't even know who to go to for logos some people go to fiverr some people go to some some logo free creator websites and yes you can build your colors you can build your mantras but when you think about the originality because some logos take a while we've heard stories about how the nike logo was formed the coca-cola logo was formed some take took weeks some took a day some took seconds so does the time that you spend on that logo matter or is it what you give to it that actually lives longer than what you gave it the first time it's a combination so okay. before you create any visual identity for your brand you have to be able to answer this what is your brand mission your brand mission is the thing that you'll stand for yeah. what is your brand vision your brand vision is the place that you're going mm-hmm. what is your brand values your brand values are the things that are the roots to the brand the things that your organization even if you're in the organization of one right yeah your organization how it will operate what is your brand archetype your brand archetype is your brand personality you know if i take for example um somebody like uh, let's say richard branson he is the rebel brand archetype right which is why he gets away with doing what he does it's why his organization could be called virgin right you think about 1970s when he was creating an organization was like yeah i'm gonna call this virgin right do you know what i mean <laughs> right. so you've got to be able to answer those things once you've answered mission vision values archetype then you take all of that to a competent designer do I believe you just go to Fiverr and say, oh, I just want you to create me a logo? No, because what you're doing is you're creating a visual identity that represents your brand's mission, your brand's vision, your brand's values, and your brand's archetype. That's what a logo is. It's just a visual identity to summarize all those things, which is why, to your point, why Nike's logo is the swoosh, because it is the, the um, taken from Greek mythology, the Nike goddess's wing. Yeah, but Nike's brand mission is they want to empower us. So you can only create the wing, i.e. the swoosh, if you know that you want to empower somebody. Correct. But if Nike didn't know what their mission was, they wouldn't know what to create as a visual identity of that mission. Exactly right. It goes all the way back to your core fundamental. What is the message? Absolutely. Well, what is the mission? What is the vision? What is the values? And what is the brand archetype? Those are the core bits that you need to be able to answer. Now, when you think about brands, like you mentioned, the archetype. Now, if you think about Airbnb, for example, that's a disruptive brand. 
we know how the brand is taking away hotels, but it's not necessarily doing so, but it has its own alley. It has its own pathway. If we look at like Walmart, for example, that's a value brand. Now, when somebody wants to realize, hey, this is what I want to do and serve, do they still think about those types of brands or do they just flow with what they already know and then they find themselves in those different archetypes? My God, these are such good questions. Did you study marketing? I did. I actually yeah, have a. <laughs> these are good I feel like I'm back doing my masters. <laughs> okay, so so this is this is what you. Um, what you're actually referencing is not necessarily the brand itself, but the business model. Correct. Right? The, it's the business model. When you look at Airbnb, they have a disruptive business model. When you look at Walmart, they have a value-based business model. When you look at Body Shop, as an example, they have a disruptive business model from when they started in the 80s. So what you want to be able to ask yourself is, what is my business model? Then once you know what your business model is, like if I take myself as an example, my business model is very trial and tested. At the essence, it is a consultancy. At the essence, right? right? It is a consultancy. Now, how the brand choose to deliver that standard consultancy is what gives us the edge. But you have to know what is the business model first and foremost. And that's what you're referencing when you're talking about Airbnb. Yeah. So the second part of that is once you've identified, okay, if you've got a disruptor-based business model, First of all, I'm going to say this. There aren't many organizations that are disruptor-based business models. Those kind of come around, you know, once in a blue moon, right? Most business models have been done before. What you want to do is you just want to work out how do you put your own twist on the existing business model. So, Correct. you know, even if you take somebody like um, Virgin, that is a standard business model, right? It started off as a publishing business model because he had the magazine. Then he had a record company business model. What separated him was that his brand gave it a different twist. Do you see what I mean? So you really want to you want to separate the business model from the brand. Once you've worked out the business model, then you add the brand on top of that. Yeah, I think so. And I think when you add those two, you now have that core identity which people yes. can now refer and actually reference you as a leader in that industry because it's an identity to follow. Absolutely. And I'll tell you how you identify the identity. So when you are developing out your business model, you're really clear, like, you know, what does your supply chain look like? What does your processes and procedures look like? What, where is your income and revenue? What are your products and service categories? Like when you work that all out, then you say, now let me do a competitor analysis. Let me do an analysis to identify what is going on in the marketplace and, and where do I fit in, mm. right? You know, we always talk about a pesto analysis, which is your political, economical, sociological, technological, legal, and environmental analysis. It's called a pesto analysis. When you do your pesto analysis, then you can maybe say, oh, I can see where I saw in here. So I'll give me as an example. As the years went on, I started to appreciate that being black and female was my superpower. I'm going to say it again. As the years went on, I started to appreciate that being black and female was my superpower. Why? Because at the level that I operate as a brand consultant, everybody else is male, pearl, white, and stout. Mm. Okay? Every room I go into, I'm the only black woman. Every room that I go into, I'm the only black woman who has worked at this level. And before, I used to see that as, oh man, this is annoying. Why is it like this? This is such a challenge. And then about, I'd say eight years ago, I was like, hold on. No, 
that's my differentiator. Yeah. So my business model is very simple, just like everybody else. But my differentiator is that I'm black and female operated at this level. Correct. Does that make sense? And you can only analyze that when you do an analysis of, of the marketplace. And then you're like, oh, this is where I fit in. Now, as a brand and as a personal brand that has built this for over 24 years, 26 years now, now when you think about other black female entrepreneurs, people who want to be like you, they're, they're probably looking at you like, I want to be the next Kubi. I want to be the next person that can take on this new artist or this new management. What are those things that you can tell them that they can start with today? Because we know that this didn't happen overnight. Yeah, sure. So the first thing I would tell them is you can't be the next Kubi. There you go. That's why I wanted to say that. (laughs) You can't be the next Kubi. And that's not an arrogant statement as much as it's a statement to really serve you from a place of love. Correct. What you want to be is the next you. There is only one Oprah. Why are you trying to be Oprah? Why are you trying to be uh, Mark Zuckerberg? Like, be you. When you're building a personal brand, the best thing you can ever do is take the time to work out who you are. How do you think? How do you operate? How does your history and your background serve you in this business market? Again, I'll go back to myself. When I used to walk in rooms and I used to see these chaps and they would go to, you know, they've been to Oxford and Cambridge and Ivy League and Russell Group universities. And here's me. I just went to a regular old university to get my undergrad and you know i'm from brixton which anybody doesn't know is the hood right and so i would walk into these rooms and when i was a lot younger that put me in a place of of inferiority when i started to recognize what personal branding is really about i was like oh i get it and let me break it down business is just one big puzzle that's all it is it's one big puzzle where we're all trying to solve a problem right you've got to work out what part of the puzzle you are So the fact that I come from the ghetto, the fact that I didn't go to Oxford and Cambridge means I have a unique perspective to answer the solution of the business problem at hand. Mm. We don't need a room full of Timothy's from Oxford. We don't need a room full of Leroy's from Atlanta. But we we need one Leroy, one Timothy, one Kubi, one Rachel. And when you work out that actually who you are, all your pain, all your history, all your isms and schisms, that is what makes you powerful. When you bring that to the table, nobody can do you like you. Then you can build a personal brand. Exactly. I love that. And I think at the end of the day, too, like you mentioned, throughout the whole procedure, it's all about the relationships that you kept. Yes. Yes. I often say it like this. It's who you know that gets you through the door and it's what you know that keeps you there. Mm. Right? Who you know that gets you through the door and what you know that keeps you there. So you've got to spend time doing relationship marketing. Now, what does that look like practically? I often say to my mentees, who are you talking to this week? Do you have a list of people that maybe you used to go to uni with or maybe you, um, you know, you, you have had coffee with maybe 10 years ago, but you haven't spoken to them. Maybe you used to work with them, an old boss or old colleague, an ex-boyfriend that you're still on good terms with, an ex-girlfriend, right? Who do you know that you should be building out those relationships with and then be intentional? So for me, for example, every single Friday, my Friday afternoons are all about relationship building. Me and my team sit down and we're like, who do we need to connect with this week? Who do we need to touch base with this week? Why? Because it's who you know that gets you through the door. 
Mm. Right now, we're in a global pandemic where organizations are not advertising jobs to the depth that they did before. Yeah. So how are you going to get the gig? Right? When they've got 2,000 resumes that are coming and they're only looking at the first 100 and nobody else gets the garden, how are you going to get the gig? It's who you know. Mm. So I would say to people, spend less time putting selfies on Instagram and spend more time building relationships that are going to support your personal brand as it develops. I love that. And I think that also tie into Clubhouse as well, because some people use Clubhouse to practice their their skills. They, they actually use it as networking, virtual conferences. People are able to meet their next big thing, their next big client. But if somebody doesn't resonate with you, like if we didn't resonate like like we are resonating now, we wouldn't have this kind of conversation because there'll be a lot of drawback. There'll be a lot of, you know, limitation. There's a building of a wall that's just going to take over that conversation. So sometimes people don't even know how to break the ice, you know. So what are the ways in 2021 that people can actually stay connected without being overbearing? That's a good, 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 good question. I think one, and I'm going to speak very specifically to Clubhouse. If you're trying to build a personal brand, don't use Clubhouse as your therapy chair, right? How many rooms do we go in and people are just emotionally vomiting in the room and then five, six months, a year later, they're like, oh, how comes my business isn't booming? Your business isn't booming because you've been using social media as if it's therapy. No, go get yourself a therapist. Correct. And use social media for what it's meant to be, which is solidified and building your brand. So that's, that's number one that I would say. Number two... It's not going to happen automatically. You've got to be intentional with it. So you've got to have a process and you've got to have a strategy. So the strategy might be like this. I'm utilizing Clubhouse to support my business to do X. What is that X? Right? You've got to be really clear about what it is you're using social media for. Then you've got to be intentional. If you meet somebody on Clubhouse, drop into their DMs and say, hey, let's do a virtual coffee and build that relationship. And when you do that virtual coffee, remember the principle of givers gain. Yeah. The amount of people who they hear me on a stage, they drop into my DMs and then they want to ask me for something for free. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> givers gain, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to be saying to yourself, okay, how do I connect with this person and support them first before that I ask them for something for myself? And that's all relationships. That's all relationships. And then be intentional to build the relationship. Don't you know, don't be a one and done. Right? That's what I right. people like, yeah, I spoke to you once and I'm done. No, get yourself a CRM, a customer relationship management tool. And then if you spoke to them today, put it in, make some notes about you know what you said, when their birthdays are, when their kids' birthdays are, right. drop them a postcard, drop them a, a birthday letter. And then speak to them again in six months and see this as a long game strategy. And I think this is the biggest challenge. It goes back to the thing I said right at the beginning. Everybody wants instantaneous success and it doesn't work. But if you see this as a long game strategy, it's like, you know what? I want to build a relationship with Kubi over time. And I'll give you a, a classic example of this. I have a column in Harper's Bazaar, right? The, 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 the magazine. And how that came about was I met the editor of Harper's Bazaar, an amazing woman called Lydia Slater, three years before I got the column. I was at an event, I was speaking on a panel, she was the host. When I was on the panel, I was like, man, 
I would love to have this woman in my black book. Like she is the editor of one of the biggest magazines in the world. And so after we finished speaking on the panel, I said, do you mind if we exchange business cards? I'd love to see how I can support what you're doing. Note my language. I would love to see how I can support what you're doing. Correct. We exchanged business cards. Nothing really happened because our diaries kept missing each other for about six months. Then eventually we went and we did a coffee. I didn't ask her for anything. I just wanted to learn about her, the person, the individual, her career, how she's getting on, etc. And it was cool. It was a nice enough coffee, but it didn't rock the world. It was just a coffee. Mm. Then about maybe six months later, she hit me up and she said, you know, I'm looking to do A, B and C. Do you mind helping me with it? Can I take you up on that um, suggestion? I said, sure. I didn't charge her a penny. I just supported her. So now we're a year after I've met this woman, right? Okay, cool. Then I'm writing my book. Again, I'm thinking, man, this will help to solidify the relationship a little bit more. So I hit her up and I say, hey, I'd love to feature you in my book. Again, I'm supporting her. She's like, sure, no problem. So I feature in my book. Now, by this time, givers gain, the way human beings naturally think is when you keep supporting them, eventually, unless they're a complete prick, eventually they're like, man, how do I give something back to this QB? Because she just keeps giving to me. Yeah. So she turned to me and she was like, oh, you know, we've got the Harper's Bazaar Women's Summit. Can we book you as a speaker? I was like, cool. Now we're on friend basis. Now we're WhatsApping each other and we're on business friend basis. Business friend. Yeah. Okay, cool. So now we're in year two. George Floyd happens. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, well, everybody in the dog claims that they want to have a black person in the organization. I sent her a WhatsApp. I was like, it's about time. (laughs) Like, you need a black columnist. Black Lives Matter. But it took me two years of building the relationship before I even put forward my ask. And then it took another six months before I even got the column. Mm. So I say, and all the relationships that I've ever had that's opened up some major doors have all been like that. It's been me putting myself forward, me offering to give before I ask for the ask and being patient, being patient to build the business relationship. I love that. I think the word of the day is patience. And that's that's why they say patience is a virtue because you don't know what's going to happen next door, next next time, unless you have been staying consistent with yourself. Yes. And, and I think you touched on this. As you're building these relationships, one of the reasons why it's imperative to be consistent across all of your touch points, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Clubhouse, whatever, be consistent because the people who you're building relationships with, they're watching. Mm. They're watching. Like I say to people all the time, you think nobody's watching you. They're watching you. They're watching to see if you're consistent. They're watching to see if you're going to pop off when the next Black Lives Matter thing happens or whether you're going to keep it professional or not. They're watching to see whether or not because of what's going on in Palestine and Israel, you're now going to get all over political or whether you're going to keep it professional. They are watching. Because they don't want to associate their brand to foolishness. Correct. Right? So when you're consistent as you're building these relationships, trust me, keep being consistent. Keep building relationships. Keep giving before you ask for the ask. And keep delivering excellence. You will get noticed. You will. I think so too. And once you do get noticed, don't get it over your head either. No. <laughs> <laughs> I say like that because um, man 
It's who you know that gets you through the door and it's what you know that keeps you there. As quickly as you can get in and as quickly as you, they'll kick you right back out. Mm. So that's why you have to stay humble. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. the seat's not guaranteed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The seat's not guaranteed. So you need to just be in the room and just keep delivering and remembering, you know, I, I'm a Christian. So I always think about this from a place of, um, of what the Bible says. And God gives us a seed. And then if you're not a Christian listening to this, just, just bear with me a minute, okay? God gives us a seed. And when he gives us a seed, that seed equates to responsibility. Yeah. The reason why you need to park your ego is because it's not about you. It's not about me. What I've done and what I can achieve is not about me. I am who I am because I have been given a seed and because I'm responsible enough to water the seed consistently. Your seed is not about you. Your seed is about the person that's going to impact the people's lives who you're going to change. That's why you can't afford to have an ego because your ego will get in the way of impact. Mm. Right? Your ego will get in the way of impact. And ultimately, we're all here to be of service to one another. So don't get in your own way. Like, park your ego, child. It ain't about you. Exactly. And I think that's that, that has a lot to do with people's personalities and their accolades. Because when you think about some people who have major accolades, they're still humble. Look at Beyonce. You know, she she won the Grammy, but she re- got rejected 40-something times. So if you got rejected and you got accepted, but people only recognize your, your winning, then you're pretty much an iceberg at this point. Because now people don't really recognize and they don't value you until it happens to them. The reason why those at the top are humble is because they know what it took to get there. Like in my career, with all the celebrities I've ever met, it's only the Johnny Just Arrived Lately's who have an ego. Correct. Because, do you know what I mean? They've had instantaneous success and they don't realize that actually it will go just as quickly as it came. But the people who have grafted and struggled and hustled and been a student of the game, they know what it took to get there. They know that it takes people to support the dream. They know that it takes fans to buy the music. They know that it takes customers to show up and be in the queues on your launch day. They know it's not about them. That's why they're cool. I remember when I first met Beyonce, it was um, the Brit Awards, uh, man, I think 2006, 2007. And this was so funny. I was running the PR room. And for those of you who don't know how big awards work, basically when the artists get their award and then they come off stage, they go into what we call a press room or a PR room. And I was running the PR room as, you know, as a youngster, I was in my 20s, B was in her 20s. And um, I got there really early and I saw these dancers on stage rehearsing for Beyonce's performance. I thought this girl was one of her dancers. And I kind of walked up to her afterwards just to congratulate her to say, hey, you know what? That routine looked really dope. And when she turned around, I realized it was Beyonce. Ooh. And she kind of laughed at me because I was, I was struck. I was like, oh, shoot. Oh, my bad. <laughs> I'm really sorry. But I told you the story to say she was so humble. Like she had on a baseball cap. She had on just like her hair was just tied up. No makeup. Why? Because she understands this is a business. She turned up for rehearsals to do her job. She didn't have an ego, she didn't have on heels, she didn't have on the big extensions because she was doing a job that she had been spending a good decade or so grafting to get to. Mm. When you put that hustle in, you don't have an ego. You just don't. You just don't. 
And the, and people would know that you are there, just like you noticed. You didn't have to go Google and say, who who did I just see right now? You know, because that presence and that notion and that identity is already self-driven. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and also, you know, like recognizes like. Yeah. The reason why she responded to me so humbly is because she knows without the press room, she doesn't get press. And without press, she doesn't sell records. Right, and this is another thing. Like, this is why relationships are so important. Like, you don't achieve and sustain this thing called branding on your own. You need the people. That's another reason why you keep yourself humble. You know, when you've got a little intern that's coming up in your organization, you better recognize in ten years that intern is probably going to be a CEO somewhere. So be kind. Correct. <laughs> be kind. So, yeah. Exactly, you're right. You're really right because I was on as a podcast get as a podcast guest um, on a show yesterday, and one of the things I told them, and and I and I was very specific, and I said that anybody who comes to this podcast, I treat them with respect and with honor because that's their time that they could be doing something elsewhere. So it's it's a matter of how you respect people and when they remember your name oh favor oh this that or oh, flav you know you will know that because we connected somewhere we didn't have to see each other 365 times a year we just needed that one impact to make that one move and you never know two three years from now we could be coming back to talk about what we did and if i didn't treat you right you were gonna remember that we'll talk we'll talk and i've, I've seen that so many times in my career, I'll give you an example. I was doing a speaking gig for TikTok last October in the UK. Black History Month is in October. I know for you guys in the US it's February, yeah. but in the UK it's October. So um, I was doing this panel speaking gig, and when I walked into the green room, there was this young man there, and he said, "Oh, you might not remember me, but I think it was like five or six years prior, I'd spoken at his college." And he was like, you treated me so well that I just wanted to level up because you believed in me and you spoke life into me. Mm. And now you fast forward five or six years, that 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 kid is, he's like head of the BBC, urban division, sitting on the TikTok panel with me. Mm. Like, man, when our old parents used to say, like, be careful who you spit on on the way up because you'll catch your own spit on the way down. Like, they knew what they were talking about because it's real. It is real. And that's a life lesson for everybody, whether you have a brand or not. <laughs> real talk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow, Kubi, this has been amazing. I, I definitely know people are going to rewind this and, and play back and, you know, take notes and just take heed to what you said because... What we're putting out in one hour is worth 26 years of effort that is still going on as a learner. So if you're starting, you need to start somewhere and start today. And this is a good starting point for you, for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, you you're welcome. If there's any way that they can reach out to you or get consultation from you, what are the best ways they could contact you? Yeah, absolutely. My website is all the W's shebuildsbrands.com that's all the w's shebuildsbrands.com uh if you google that i'll come up um if you go into instagram at shebuildsbrands clubhouse at shebuildsbrands i'm I'm here amazing and when you say she builds brands just to ask just to be very specific because i know some people will be like okay she builds brands is it just for women or is it just for corporates or is it just for anybody who has that professional etiquette so the she is me being unapologetically female, she yes. builds brands. Um, who do we build brands for? We build brands for corporate clients, for sure. 
Um, I also do uh, mentoring and masterminds for solo entrepreneurs and for executives. Um, I have books out for people who are just starting out in the game, wondering, you know, how do I how do I build my brand? Uh, one of my books are out at the moment. It's called I Am My Brand. You can buy that from Barnes and Nobles, from Amazon. Um, I've got another book that's dropping this October. Um, yeah, so do I build brands for everybody? No, I build brands for people who are serious about making coins. Exactly. I like that, coins. <laughs> <laughs> coins. <laughs> Amazing. Wow, Kubi. Thank you so much once again, and I really appreciate your time being here today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Till, till later. <laughs>